Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. All right, you guys ready for the second installment of Just Jesus? Oh, man, I'm so excited for this sermon series, you guys. Uh, For the next some weeks, and I'm not really sure how long we're going to go, just some weeks, okay, I don't know, we're going to be focusing on a varying aspect of the nature of Christ Jesus, okay? So we're just going to study Jesus for a long time. Sound good? And I'm super excited about the opportunity that we have to study Jesus. Really, really excited. Uh, Because it's pretty normal for us to latch on and hone in on like one facet of Jesus' nature and become very obsessive with that. And I want you to do that. But for a while, we're just going to look at him from different angles and each Sunday being all of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Amen? Okay, so turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 53, and we are gonna read a prophetic word that was released about Jesus Christ the Messiah by a prophet named Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born, all right? So open your Bible to Isaiah 53, and I'm gonna read verses two through six. As you're opening in your Bible, I wanna give a big shout out to two friends, Danny and Karen, that are here all the way from Florida. Super stoked you guys are here. Super pumped that you guys are here. Uh, Maverick City Musica, that's why you guys were here. Is that right? I'm so honored you guys came. Thanks for staying over. When I had the opportunity to do the tour, like a few dates uh, in Florida, Karen sang one night, and you know how you see people and you're just like, I adopt you. You know what I mean? It's like, you have no choice. Like, we're now related in the spirit. You're my sister. I don't care if you like it or not. You now have this redneck brother from Kentucky, okay? So just have to deal with that, okay? Yes, exactly. I would try my Spanish out publicly, but I would embarrass myself. Okay, Isaiah chapter 53. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, let's stand up. We're gonna read the word of God together aloud in concert as a family. You guys ready? All right. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. Isn't that what Jesus does? In the dry places, he appears. Jesus shows up right in the middle of dry ground, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Let's let's say that last part together. And with his wounds, we are healed. Isn't that amazing? 
So last week I talked about Jesus saves. This week we're gonna talk about Jesus heals. By his wounds, we are healed. Let's pray. Lord, we say thank you so much for being our great physician. You are our God who heals us. So we call upon the name of Jehovah Rapha today, and we ask that you would show yourself mighty as our healer. Any person that has walked in this room sick today, God, I pray you'd move on their physical body, and I pray you'd restore them and heal them before they walk out of the room. If we're afflicted in our minds, in our hearts, in our soul, if the demonic has come against us and there's people who have been oppressed or possessed by demons, I pray that they'd get free before they walk out of the room today in the name of Jesus Christ. You are a God who is well able to overcome, to save, to deliver, and to heal. And so we emphatically proclaim as your sons and daughters, Jesus heals. Let's just say that together, church. Jesus heals. Heals, let's say it again. Jesus heals. Put your hand on your heart, say that means me. <laughs> Jesus heals, in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. amen and amen. You can be seated on your way to your seat. Tell somebody Jesus heals. Jesus heals, Jesus heals, Jesus heals. How many of you guys, uh, it's been a while since you've heard a sermon on healing? Seven people. I, I got to know where the rest of y'all been going to church because I want to shake hands with your pastor. Uh, how many of you guys have um, never heard a sermon on healing in church, ever? Really? Nobody? Okay, one person? Two people? Three people? Okay, a few people? There's some more, but we're just embarrassed, right? Like, I don't want you to call me out. Um, I grew up in a holiness Pentecostal church. I'm sure you guys know that as I've shared some of my story in the past. And if you're wondering what that means, we were those weird people at Walmart. You know, the people you see that are like, like they, you can't have beards. It's always like a white collared shirt, long slacks. All the women got these beehive hairdos and they wear dresses that like flow and sweep on the ground. Do y'all know what I'm talking about now? Maybe they don't have those where you're from, but where I'm from, that's a very popular denomination, and I grew up holiness Pentecostal. Now, I can't really remember a pastor ever doing what I'm about to do today, which is just kind of, you know, graze through the fields of the Bible and extract some passages about supernatural healing, which Jesus accomplishes through the cross. I don't remember having that experience as a young person growing up in a holiness Pentecostal church, but I do remember seeing preachers preach so fiery and passionately that sweat would drop from the bottom of their tie and they would jump off of the stage and like run over the pews. Has anybody ever seen that before? And people would part like the Red Sea. It was like, man, they would just go, I mean, I'm serious, like they would run to the back and they would, they were so good with the microphone. It was like so stylish. They'd be like, like, they were just, it was something about it. It was really amazing. Like, I, I learned how to dress from the evangelists that would come through, you know, because they were always so smooth and clean and cool. And so even though I didn't get a whole lot of teachings, I saw a lot of miracles. I, I did. I, I got to tell you guys, I saw a lot of miracles. Even though I didn't know a lot about Jesus, I knew this. Jesus heals. Everybody say, Jesus heals. I didn't hear a whole lot of teachings on doctrine. I didn't even know what the word theology even meant. 
But I knew if you called upon the name of Jesus, when you laid hands on the sick, it was a good chance that they would probably recover because Jesus heals. Everybody say, Jesus heals. He heals. Jesus heals. I, I, I remember seeing people come into our little country church in the middle of a bean field. They had driven from three hours away because they knew there was this tiny Pentecostal praying church that went after supernatural miracles and healings every single Sunday. Every single Sunday. There was never a Sunday that we did not go after healings. So you know how we do transition at the end of worship like my wife did today? She comes up. She's like, all right, amen. All right, so like, you know, you got to kind of pull the people out of worship and get ready for time. That's good. We call that like a worship transition. It's, it's very difficult around here because y'all like to worship and nobody wants to stop singing. But every Sunday in this little country church when we do transitions, that was called prayer for the sick. It was like in our service flow, like whenever we look at the paper beforehand, which we didn't do very often, but it would say, prayer for the sick, right? So whoever was the person that transitioned worship, they would move into a time of prayer for the sick. And it did not matter what you were afflicted by. It didn't matter if it was emotional, if it was physical, if it was spiritual, if it was mental, if it was financial, if it was relational. If you needed healing in any capacity, they said, come to the front because we're gonna have some praying church mamas that are gonna lay hands on you and speak in tongues until you get a breakthrough. So that, that's the church I grew up in, okay? And so like people would come up and, and they would lay hands and they'd anoint with oil. That's not how y'all say it here. But they'd anoint you with oil. Get you some oil, man. It's just some olive oil, that's all it was. We didn't have none of that fragrant offering y'all have, you know, here. With, you know, it's from Israel and it's got, you know, all the, the frankincense and myrrh in it and it smells. No, you're just gonna get some cooking oil. All right, that's all you're getting. That's all we got, a little cooking oil. And they put it on there, and they pray for you, and they go after it. And if you didn't see immediate breakthrough, we had prayer cloths. Y'all know, know anything about prayer cloths? We used to take handkerchiefs, and we'd dump oil all over the, pr the prayer cloth, and then we'd rip it up, and the elders would lay hands on it in the name of Jesus. When somebody receives this prayer, see, this is biblical, Acts chapter 19, that there were cloths that were taken from Paul that he'd been working in, and they would send those out to people who were possessed by demons, and they'd get delivered. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing if you think of it. And so we'd take all these prayer cloths and we had these little baggies and we'd put the prayer cloth in the baggie and seal it up and say, here you go. You having trouble sleeping at night? Put that under your pillow. Here you go. You need a miracle in your finances? Put that in your wallet. Here you go. You got a wayward son and, you know, he's addicted and don't want to talk to God anymore? Hide this in his bedroom, you know? It's like we were going covert with prayer, man. I'm telling you, it's like, you getting healed. I don't care if you want it or not. It don't even matter if you got faith for it. God wants you to be healed, so we're going to pray for it. That's how I grew up. It's just like, that, that's just what's going to happen. You're going to get healed, you're going to get saved, and you're going to get delivered. And if you try to get away from it, you just better believe Aunt Nellie is coming to get you by the ear. I mean, I remember being in the backseat of the car with my mom, and my mom's like, ha ha, I ain't gonna talk to you, Satan. You get out of my son. You know, I mean, I remember, I rebuke you, devil. And I'm like, mom, you know, I'm just, you need to repent. You need to get saved. I mean, that's, that's just the kind of church I grew up in. And so I'm realizing, like, in culture today, the further we get away from some of our roots, if you're like me, you came from a crazy charismatic church that prayed for the sick all the time. Today, like, you know, we kind of get away from some of that. We kind of label it 
as though it's like less than because it's not very intellectual and those people don't really know what they're talking about and because they don't know philosophy or have good theological definitions and framework, then they are, you know, somehow not important to listen to anymore. You know what I'm talking about? And so we kind of graduate into this space of like, we don't really like pray for miracles anymore. We just like debate scripture now. Like we don't really go after it with like full of faith. We don't really look for the supernatural. Like we just, you know, go to the movies and watch stuff about that. So I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, man, I feel like I'm gonna be in a room of people who know that God wants to heal the sick, have prayed for God to heal the sick, have seen God heal the sick, but have stopped praying to heal the sick. Like, it's like, that's just what I used to do in ministry school. That's just what I used to do when I was a missionary. That's just what I used to, I don't really do that stuff anymore. I've kind of graduated to this place of maturity now. You know, I'm a very westernized Christian. Like, I'm a good Christian. I'm a good moral believer. But I don't really do none of that stuff anymore. So I was feeling just prophetically when I was praying this morning to read the scripture. I didn't do this in the first service, but I'll do it now. Um, is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 says, I thank God for whom I serve as, as, as did my ancestors. See, that's like my Aunt Nellie, who's with Jesus now. That's like the old praying mamas that prayed me into salvation, all right? With a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with some joy, and I am reminded of your sincere faith. This is where I want to, you know, really remind you here. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Or some of you guys, you guys grew up in church, you grew up in Sunday school, you grew up, you know, hearing about miracles, you grew up hearing testimonies, you grew up praying for the sick, you grew up full of faith, and now we've just like, we're Christians now, but we don't really do that stuff. This is what I felt like the Lord wanted to remind you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. Everybody say power. And love and self-control. That's that power that heals the sick. And if you have discontinued believing God to heal the sick, you just think, ah, yeah, it's not really for today. You've been educated out of believing with faith, right? Like, I want to remind you, there is a gift that is in you to pray for the sick, to release the power of God, and to see people healed, all right? It is in you. Use it. So if you have been dormant, you've stopped praying for the sick, you've stopped believing that the sick can be healed, today is a day of awakening for you, all right? So if you receive that and you'll agree with that, just say amen. 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 So what I want to do, that, that's just like the, the intro there. I, I had to share that with you. It's what I felt. What I want to do is look back at Isaiah 53. Like I said, I'm going to kind of graze through the scripture a little bit and talk about healing, okay? I'm not going to give you every single scriptural reference for healing because I'd have to think a lot of you guys in here, you've seen the scriptures come to life and you can testify to healings. I, 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 I see you guys saying, yep, yep, that's me. How many of you guys have been healed in here before? You've been healed. I've been healed before. Look at that. Will you guys look around? How many of you guys have seen somebody get healed before? Raise the other hand. Come on, man. Okay. We don't need to go through every single scripture. We already know. We're a church that knows God heals. But if you look at Isaiah chapter 53, you'll notice uh, five things I'd like to point out is, number one, Jesus takes our pain. Number two, Jesus, number two, Jesus carries our suffering. Number three, he was broken, and he was bruised for our sins. Everybody say salvation. He, he was punished for our peace. Everybody say, Jesus saves. 
And then lastly, by his wounds, we shall be healed. Everybody say, Jesus heals. I want you to notice here in Isaiah 53 that the prophet is declaring that the Messiah is on his way, and when he shows up, he is going to bring salvation. He is going to save. He's going to heal. He's going to save. He's going to heal. He's going to save, and he's going to heal. You have to notice that all throughout the Scripture, when God was declaring truth over his son that was to come, that salvation and supernatural healing was always intrinsically connected. You, you don't really have one without the other biblically. Salvation and healing is all intrinsically connected. You don't really have one without the other biblically. All right? You're going to see it all throughout as you read. In fact, as you go to the New Testament, you start reading through the Greek. There's a term that all of us are familiar with these days. You guys want to know what it is? Sozo. You guys heard of that word before? Everybody say it with me. Sozo. You've learned Greek this morning. Sozo. What does sozo mean? Well, it means to save. You look at the New Testament at all of the times in which this Greek word sozo is presented, most of the time it means to save. But guess what other words sozo is also used for? Y'all must already know this. Healing. The same word in the New Testament that is used for save, to save, or have been saved is the same exact words for to heal, be healed, has been healed. Guess what also it is used for? To be delivered of demons. To be set free of demonic oppression and demonic possession. Whenever Jesus comes with salvation, he comes with a full meal deal, baby. All right? It's not like, uh, you know, it's not like you're getting partitions of freedom. Let's, I already know this is going to be a paradigm shift for somebody in the room. That's why I'm kind of slowing down. But it's, it's not like you get like a, there's your slice of freedom because that's what you get right now because that's what my cross paid for so that you could get a little bit of, of, of freedom now and then at an undetermined location in the future, I'm going to give you a little bit more freedom. Listen, I believe in sanctification. I understand there's a sequence. I understand there's a progression of holiness. But listen, the cross of Calvary paid for everything. The finished work, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, which we just read in Isaiah 53, it pays for everything. Which is why in John 8, when Jesus was preaching, he said, hey, who the Son has set free is partially set free. Who the son is set free is just a little bit of free. When he's having a good day and he's in a good mood and he's been reading the Bible and he's fasted recently. No, he said, listen, who the son is set free is free indeed. I looked the word up indeed in the Greek. You know what it means? It means really, 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 really free. It means surely free. It means super free. He who the Son has set free is super free. Just, you know, try that translation out. I don't know. I'm taking a little liberty, but that's... The, the, the same sacrifice that pays for your salvation is the same sacrifice that pays for your healing. 
the same cross of Calvary that rolled your sins away is the same cross of Calvary that heals your physical body. The same sacrifice takes care of it all. Once and for all, once and for all, Christ died, right, so that we could be not only forgiven of our sins, but also healed of our, of our, of our uh, diseases. How's it going so far? I, listen, I know it's like kind of one of those things. It's like, hold on, wait, do I really believe this? We're gonna get into that just in a little bit. But Jesus didn't die on the cross for your partial freedom. Jesus died on the cross for your holistic freedom, for your whole freedom, for everything. He, he died on the cross so that you could be saved, so that you could be set free of darkness and demons. He, 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 got, he, he died on the cross so that you could be healed in your mind, that you could be healed in your soul, that you could be healed in your thoughts, that you, you could be healed in your relationships, that you could be healed in your emotions. It's not just for your salvation that he died. He, he died for your holistic freedom both for now and to eternity. Listen, I understand sometimes like, this is really hard to believe. Hold on, wait, I don't know. I don't know if I really believe that or not. And I think of it as like, you know, the benefits applied uh, as a result of the inheritance that we have received. Have you ever thought about this before? Like, what if you had a family member that passed away and like, they left to you in their will and testament? By the way, we got a, a new and an old Testament right here. What if in their last will and testament, they said, hey, I wanna give this family member of mine $10 million. And man, that would be great news, right? Man, that's, that's good news. We might call it that, right? And then you go in and you sit down with the lawyer and they say, hey, I got good news for you. This family member in their testament left you $10 million. You're like, ah, man, wow, that's amazing. I'll take $100, and I'm good. There's so much more available for us, church. We're living so far below the standard of the inheritance that Jesus Christ paid for on the cross for us to experience. It's, 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 I, don't think it's our, I don't think it's our intention. I just think it's like we forget and the enemy works really hard to blind us of the full inheritance that we have received through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Like, hey, just be satisfied with getting saved. No, I'm not gonna be satisfied just with getting saved and going to heaven when I die. Jesus Christ paid for something greater than just paradise in the afterlife. He paid so that I could walk in freedom now. He paid so that I could walk in freedom today, this day. Not next week, next month, two years from now. Like, he paid a price on Calvary so that we could be set free now. You with me? How's this going so far? Okay, is it freaking you out? This is what the Messiah came to do, all right? This is what was prophesied about Jesus uh, for many, many, many years, that whenever the Son of God comes, he's gonna come and save you. But as we look through the scripture, you'll recognize that everybody's prophesying about the Messiah, and they're saying, not only will he save you, but he's also gonna heal you. He's also going to heal you. And so whenever John the Baptist was like, hey, I want some clarity about whether or not Jesus is in fact the Messiah. So he takes his disciples, he says, man, go ask him if he's the man or not because I'm right here between prison and platter and I'm trying to figure out like if I got my facts straight. 
right? And so they, the disciples of John, they go and they talk to Jesus. They say, Jesus, come on, man. Don't, don't, don't like hold back from us. Tell us the truth right now because our guy, you know, he's about to give his life because his ministry has been all about proclaiming the fact that you are the son of God. Are you who you say you are? And Jesus says, go back to John and tell him what you, uh, what you hear and what you see, right? The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. So whenever John's disciples ask for mess- messianic credentials, Jesus said, I am the Messiah. Not just because I come to bring salvation to the world, but I heal like the Messiah. I work miracles like the Messiah. I deliver people of demons like the Messiah. I bless the poor like the Messiah. Consistently, Jesus himself presented himself as the Messiah as a result of the miracles that he did. He's like, hey, look, here's the evidence, right? You look at John chapter 10, verse 37, 38. If I'm not doing the works of my father, then don't believe me. He gave them all a reason not to believe them. But he said, but, but if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works. Believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. I am who I say I am. And whenever Jesus would work miracles and when Jesus would heal sick bodies, he was constantly fulfilling these prophetic, these prophetic words, these scriptures. They were written about him long ago. He's like constantly fulfilling them. Matthew chapter eight, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. Everybody say sozo. See, if you're gonna have a healing ministry, you gotta have a deliverance ministry. People are like, I wanna heal the sick, but I don't wanna mess with devils. Well, good luck. It ain't never gonna happen. And if you, if you wanna have a healing ministry, you want a deliverance ministry. If you are afraid of demons, all right, you do not wanna go after, you know, praying healing for somebody's migraine. But that's where we have to understand that the cross took care of it all. So we step up with confidence. It doesn't matter what this person needs, whether they need to get saved, healed, or delivered. The cross took care of it all. I'm ready. Oh, it's, it's, it's no problem. I can totally pray for salvation. No big deal. But deliverance, I can't pray for that. You see, that right there is actually proves where there's a missing component. We need to learn and understand that. Hey, the same cross paid for it all. Bring it on. Whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. Bring it on, let's go. Uh, So Matthew 8, uh, they brought many people who were oppressed by demons. He cast out the spirits with a word. What else? He healed all who were sick. Everybody say sozo, right? And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, which we read today. He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. So Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, he came not only to save us, but he came also to heal us. Jesus, yes, is our Lord and our Savior, but Jesus, yes, is also the great physician. That's who he is, and that's what he does. And and, and even though he paid for it all at once, do we not tend to separate the two as though one is harder for him than the other? Like, oh, man, super easy for Jesus to say, but man, healing is kind of hard for him. I was thinking about this week. I'm like, which one is more supernatural? Why is it so hard for us to believe for healing, but we'll believe for salvation? Salvation is a miracle of the spirit. That seems way more supernatural. 
Like, you can't even see anything. It's like it's happening eternally. It's all happening by faith. Like, that's way more supernatural than believing uh, for healing of the body. Healing is a miracle that happens in our body. Salvation is a miracle that happens in our spirit. We'll believe for this so long before we'll believe for this. And, and what I think, it, I mean, there's different reasons. This is just my opinion. There's different reasons for that. But I think one of the primary reasons is because the church, capital C, is running on a very strong revelation for 2,000 years that Jesus saves. And I think for 2,000 years, the church, capital C, has been debating. They've been attacked. They've been under pressure. There's been all kinds of crazy stuff happening around the ministry of Jesus that brings healing. So much so that some people have decided, you know what? Jesus doesn't really heal anymore. That only happened in the apostolic age. Those days are behind us and I'm no longer gonna believe for it. In fact, I'm gonna make a ministry out of presenting academic material that proves that Jesus doesn't heal anymore. Listen, I've met those people. Those people are called cessationists. I love those people, they're just in error. They're just in error. And I know that because I've seen people get healed. I was in Mozambique, and there was an Ivy League school that came over because they were of this perspective. And so they said, you know what? We're gonna find out if healing is actually real. And we were like, okay, great, you can go on outreach with us. So it's an Ivy League school, okay? So they had their scientists out there and everything, and they came out, and they had this medical car, and they set it to the side, and we're with Heidi, and and you know how Heidi starts all of her evangelism messages, don't you? Bring me the deaf. That's how she starts. She doesn't start with, "Uh, open your Bible. They don't have Bibles. Cue up the PowerPoint. I mean, it is a PowerPoint. But, (laughs) bring me the deaf. Right, because what, what she's experiencing, what she understands, and what we understand as we read through the Bible is like, look, every time Jesus does supernatural miracles and heals the sick, it always kicks open the door to revival and the harvest of souls. Every single time. So people come up. Hey, bring me the deaf. If you have a deaf person at home, go get them. If you have a blind person at home, go get them. And then like, you know, 30 minutes later, you start seeing people. They're like, they're bringing their relatives. Like they're holding the one end of a stick. Like, come on, it's a grandmother, you know, she's blind. You have a little boy, he's deaf. You have people who are now, they're, they're being carried. They're lame in their feet, right? Because that's how she starts the service. And so she said, today, if you are blind or deaf, uh, you need to go over here to this medical tent where these Ivy League University students and scientists are gonna test you to make sure that you're actually deaf or blind. And then when you get your test, then you come over here to we're gonna have all of these young mission school students most of which, by the way, have never even seen a healing in their life. They've only read about them in the Bible and her books. And we're gonna have them lay hands on these people, and then afterwards, we're gonna ask them, are you feeling better, right? So you're speaking to a makua, uhuvona. They're like, go back over to the Ivy League scientist and then test them again. Okay, I've seen the results. It's like 50 pages. It's very scientific. It's got charts. It's got graphs. The amount of people that are healed, it's like 60 to 70% of every single person that received prayer 
were either completely healed and had their hearing completely restored or their eyesight completely restored, or they were partially or mostly healed and had their hearing restored and their eyesight restored. Like, I have seen that. I was there on that day. I know Jesus heals. So for me, cessationists, they don't really have a case. Because Jesus showed up, the Messiah showed up, 1 John chapter three, says the reason the Son of God appeared was what? To destroy the works of the devil. Sickness falls in the category of the work of the devil. Jesus showed up to destroy every single thing that comes against us that the cross of Calvary paid for us to be free from. That's why he showed up. Jesus wants to heal. I'm gonna say it again. Jesus wants to heal. Amen? Jesus wants to heal. You know why he wants to heal you? Because he loves you. And he wants you to be whole. I've never met a parent that was like, my child is sick, and I'm so glad. Right? It's ridiculous for, uh, for us even to consider that. Because I'm thinking it doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter if insurance covers this. It doesn't matter if I got to go take a loan out. It doesn't matter if I got to get rid of my car. It doesn't matter if I need to refinance my mortgage. I'm going to do anything that I possibly can to get this child whole. Spirit, soul, and body. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because he loves us and he wants us to be whole. <laughs> he, Jesus loves you and he wants you to be whole. Amen? Luke chapter eight, verse 35. Then people went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Praise God. This picture is a good biblical picture of what wholeness looks like. Wholeness looks like being healed. It looks like freedom from demons. It looks like being in your right mind and it looks like sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's what wholeness looks like. <laughs> being healed Freedom from demonic oppression, being in your right mind, and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus also wants to heal you, number two. Jesus wants to heal you because he wants to reveal to you what his kingdom is like. There's no sickness in heaven. No demons welcome there. No anxiety attacks. No depression. No oppression. No sleepless nights and insomnia. No cancer. No leukemia. None of that. None of that exists there. So he wants to show us, this is what my kingdom is like, Matthew chapter 12. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then what? Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. I wanna heal you because I wanna show you what I'm like. I'm the great physician and I love you and I want you to be whole. And I also want you to show you what heaven is like. This is what the kingdom is like. In Jesus' kingdom, there's no sickness. Number three, Jesus heals to bring glory to God. Jesus heals to bring glory to God. Matthew chapter 15, and great crowds came to him. They brought the lame, they brought the blind, they brought the crippled, they brought the mute, and many, many others, and they put him at the feet of Jesus, and he healed them. Everybody say sozo. sozo. He healed them so that the crowd began to wonder, and they saw the mute begin to speak, and they saw the crippled healthy, they saw the lame walking around, they saw the blind sing, and what happened? And they glorified the God of Israel. This is always the case when Jesus begins to heal. People learn what God is like, and they say, you know what? I want that. 
I've got to get me some. I've got to go after that. You mean to tell me that Jesus doesn't only save, but Jesus also heals? You mean to tell me that Jesus doesn't only save, but he also can get me free of my, my darkness? Right, that's how, that's how we say it today. Or my devils, right, you hear people saying that? They need to be free. Jesus can free them. He can heal them. He can save them. He can set them free. He can deliver them. Jesus still saves. Jesus still heals. Praise God. Jesus is still in the business of healing our bodies. He started started then. He continues today. He continues today, church. And I, I, I understand, like, I'm not trying to, like, tee off on anybody who doesn't believe it. That's not really my point. But I will say that they look at passages of Scripture like 1 Corinthians, just like we do, and they pull out. It's almost like they cherry pick, like, these things. Like, no, God doesn't heal anymore, but he does all the other things that God promised to do in the New Testament church. Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, it says, and God has appointed in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. When you look at um, a church that would only focus on the natural, they would have no problem saying, we have teachers here, we have helpers here, and we have administrators here. That's only half the scripture, all right? Those are all of the things that you're able to accomplish in your own strength without the supernatural power of Jesus. They have no problem saying we have teachers, but then on the other hand, they deny, which is in the same passage of Scripture, that we could have apostles, prophets, miracles, any of that stuff. It's in the same Scripture. (laughs) It's all there, and it's all for us today in the same way that it was then. God doesn't just operate in the natural. He operates in the supernatural. If you took every supernatural thing out of this book, you'd have one-third of this book. I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in the supernatural. You, I don't even know if that could be possible. Because you do realize that by confessing Christianity, you believed that a man was raised from the dead. He is the son of God, the Messiah that takes away your sins and guarantees your eternal salvation. If you're a Christian, you have to be weird. There is no other option. You're, oh, I wanna fit in. I wanna be culturally correct and like everybody to like me. If you want that, do not be a Christian. Christians believe that the Messiah is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Christians believe that people are actively raised from the dead. Christians believe that lepers are actually cleansed. Christians believe that a donkey talked. (laughs) Don't forget that one, all right? We're weird. Just embrace it. Supernatural healing, I understand it's a little strange. Go after it anyway. It's part of your inheritance. Don't deny the money that's on the table. There's millions here. Yeah, I'm good. There's so much more for you to experience. Healing is supposed to be a part of your normal, natural Christian lifestyle. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5, our gospel came to you not only in the word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. I don't think we're gonna be able to touch this generation without supernatural power. I don't think it's possible, man. I don't have TikTok, but I've heard about TikTok. I need to get on TikTok and preach the gospel. I keep telling myself I do. But every time I pull it up, I'm like, man. Have y'all seen it? 
It's crazy. You know the darkness? Like, hey, here's the witches. I mean, they're just out in the open. Like they're praying to Satan on there and stuff. And we're going to win them over and see them come to Jesus by saying, just be convinced in your mind. It's a very eloquent teaching that will help you. They don't believe that mess. That's not enough. We have to walk in supernatural power in the same way the early church did is the same way the modern church did. We cannot read the scripture thinking, okay, well, all of the, all of the powerful stuff stopped, but all the intellectual stuff continues. Come on. Jesus paid for more than your mind. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. It is a holistic freedom. All right, I need to close, but let me just resolve this real quick. Why don't we see more healings? Why don't we see more healings? Um, I don't think we're gonna get what we don't preach. Right? I don't think we're gonna get what we don't preach because you're not gonna see what you don't look for. It's never gonna happen, right? I, right? Um, what is it? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Somebody's gotta preach. <laughs> Somebody's gotta say, hey, healings happen. You can get healed. Somebody has to say that. So I would say that's one of the reasons why we don't see more healings, right? But I really do believe, like, transformation happens here, right? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? We, we, I think, honestly, it's just, as Christians, we tend to forget things. As people, we tend to forget things. As human beings, we tend to forget things. And, like, we need to be reminded. Healings are real. Healings happen. So why don't we see more healings? There's a strong academic community that resists the healing ministry as unbiblical, it's false teaching. It's not true. I believe they're probably good people, but they're probably making a lot of excuses as a result of disappointments, all right? Or they've just been taught wrong, and that's why we have a school Amen. called Legacy Academy where we're gonna teach your kids right, <laughs> among other things. There are, also, there are frauds and charlatans that have caused reproach upon the healing ministry, right? You turn on the TV, there's somebody with like a weird suit on, screaming, send me $99 five times and I'll send you this holy water. <laughs> you can sprinkle it on your food, you'll be healed. You know, it's just like some crazy stuff, right? So we're like, hold on, wait, this is like, this is like charlatans and, uh, you know, hoaxers and like people, you know, it's like, and they've caused reproach upon the healing ministry, right? So people are like, I don't want that. If that's what it is, I don't want it. And then also, like, some groups have weird and extreme practices that have caused questioning and denial of the healing ministry. Like, that's reality. Like, that's, that's happened. Like, the church I grew up in probably was like that. You know what I mean? Because people couldn't get over the fact that it's like, what are y'all doing? This is insane what you guys are doing. And, and people still got healed, but I think it could be one of the reasons why people are like, I don't think I want that. You see what I'm saying? Um, also, we've not preached enough strong, biblical, theologically sound messages to stir faith and expectation. We have to do that, right? Or we suppress our expectations for healing due to previous disappointments. There's a spiritual war. Here's another reason. There's a spiritual war, and the enemy doesn't want you to be healed. He wants you to be sick because he came to kill, uh, steal, and destroy. And then lastly, the enemy knows, knows to work very hard to confuse God's people and resist supernatural healings because throughout Scripture and throughout church history, miracles have always opened up the door to a harvest of souls. Always. Always. That's why there's so many people around the pool of Bethesda. They want to know, hey, 
is, is this gospel that you guys are proclaiming about Jesus, is this just sort of an intellectual thing that I consent to? Or is this actually real freedom for my actual real life that has implications to more things other than what I call my faith? Meaning like my church attendance. Like is it like something more than that? Like I, I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of so many Christians that go to church day in and day out and they're like, I'm doing the right moral thing, but there's gotta be something more than this. I'm still struggling with the same old stuff. I'm, I'm still sick. I'm still down. I'm still bad. I'm not, listen, Jesus paid for all of that. So we must pursue it. We must pursue it for three reasons. Number one, see, I'm still grazing a little bit, but I'm done. Number one is that God is unchangeable. God does not change. He has always been healing. He'll continue to. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, for I am the Lord and I do not change. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus was healing then. Jesus is healing today. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, because the Holy Spirit is the same. The same Holy Spirit that was in the early church is the same Holy Spirit that's in the modern church. The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is now in us. Holy Spirit's the same. Number three, because, and this is the last point, number three, the Great Commission includes healing. Mark chapter 16, another expression of the Great Commission, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. Accidentally, not like on purpose. It's not like, all right, and if they drink any deadly poison, once more, accidentally, okay, not on purpose, like, like, you know, God bless this triple chili cheese dog. You, you said if I put any deadly poison, no, that, that's by accident, okay? It's not on purpose. You can, you're still going to have a stomachache, all right? Then it will not hurt you, okay? Um, that's called, that's the spirit of stupid, right? It's not like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> then they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Everybody say sozo. Sozo. That is what we are supposed to do. That is what Jesus did. That is what Jesus is still doing. He is our savior, church, but he is also our healer. He is our great physician. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. We're gonna pray. And as we do, I'm gonna ask our prayer team, go ahead and come down. We have a prayer team down here and they're gonna be ready to pray for you. Uh, if you're sick in your body and you need healing, then in just a moment, we're gonna release you to come and we wanna ask you to come down and receive prayer. And they're just, they're just gonna pray for you to be healed. God wants to heal you. Jesus is in the room to heal you. And it's available for you today, right here, right now. But before we do that, if you don't mind, just for a moment, just close your eyes, bow your head. If there's anybody in the room and you're saying to yourself right now, yeah, I, I, I need to be healed, but man, I also, I need to be saved. I am far from Jesus. I am not at all connected to him and I need to be saved. If that's you, would you just boldly stretch your hand up and put it in the air? We're gonna pray for you. Awesome, I see you, man. Awesome, I see you. Anybody else? I see you, great, awesome. Anybody else? We're, we're gonna pray together right now for everybody in the room that has just lifted their hand. And let's do it together as a family. Everybody say, Jesus. Jesus. I, confess I confess that you are Lord, you are Lord. 
and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And your word says that I am saved. I am set free. Fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me all of my life. I belong to you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen, Lord. We thank you for every single person. Thank you for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.